I am so excited about this. I want to welcome you to the Purpose Project Podcast. During our time together, I will teach you how to pray, how to intentionally develop intimacy with your Creator, and challenge you to discover and embrace your God-ordained purposes. I am your host, Margie Florent. My prayer for you today is that you will be empowered and strengthened in the Word of God to move forward into your destiny. Why it's time to pray for the ministry leaders. Ministry leaders are in a new time and in a new season. God is doing a new thing. I know it's a cliche word. God is doing a new thing. But truly, the spirit of the living God is anointing his leaders, Psalms 92.10, with fresh oil. There is a fresh move of the spirit that is rising up on the inside of his leaders. And it's very important that we take time, that we take time in the presence of God and support our ministry leaders in the place of prayer. I'm not only going to be teaching this word, but I'm also going to be praying at the end for our ministry leaders. And you may say, well, what, what's the, you know, I know we have to say this because it's the time we live in. What's in it for me? Well, there's a lot in it for you. Because when you pray and you stand in the gap for your ministry leader, what happens is you enter into their labors and you become a part of what they do in the realm of the spirit. And when you stand before God, you will have you will receive rewards, rewards from the kind of labors that they did. Your ministry is private, their ministry is public, but you enter into their labors. The Bible says in Hebrews 6:10 that God is not unrighteous. You forget your work and your labor of love. Prayer for your ministry leader is a labor of love. And Jesus said in John 15, 12, and 13, greater love has no man than this, that a man would lay down his life for his friends. Jesus came to the earth as an intercessor. He bridged the gap between God and sinful man. He was the mediator. He was the go-between. And what God is saying to us is saying the greatest act of love you can do for your ministry leader is to lay down your life for them in the secret place of prayer. And when you do, you're laboring fervently for them in prayer that they will, several things, we're going to get into it, but this is coming up, that they will stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. And as you support them in the realm of the spirit, those the things that they do publicly you will enter into their labors and you will get rewarded when you stand before God. One day we will all stand before God and we will give an account for our lives. And what I want to hear God say to me is simply this, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You were faithful with what I gave you to do. Now enter into the rewards I have for you. So some of the rewards that many of you who are listening are going to receive are going to be rewards that you've received because you laid down your life and you prayed and you stood in the gap for your ministry leader. The Bible says in Revelations 14, 13, when you die, when your spirit leaves your body, your works or your labors will follow you. Well, what else is, is what else am I going to receive 
as a result of praying for my ministry leader. Well, there's several things. Not only will he be more anointed and the spirit of God will flow through him in a greater dimension, but also you'll reap the benefits of that. Also, the Bible says in Job 42, 10, that the Lord turned to captivity Job. When did this happen? When Job prayed for his friends. Not only that, but God gave Job twice as much as he had before. So when you stand in the gap for your ministry leader and you put up a hedge and you intercede and you support him, my friends, God will take care of you. You take care of God's business. He will take care of your business. He will perfect everything that concerns you. Not only that, but when you seek first the kingdom of God and your heart and your heart says, I just want to be obedient to him and his will and pray for my ministry leader. When you seek first the kingdom of God, all the things that you have need of is added unto you and God will take care of you. He will take care of your business, the things that concern you. Now let's talk about the ministry gifts. Let's give a brief introduction about who, what they are, why they were given, the purpose they were given, and what Jesus had to say. The Bible says in Ephesians 4, 11 through 18, that, that when Jesus ascended up on high, he led captivity captive, and he gave gifts unto men, or basically unto the church. What were the gifts that he gave? He gave five ministry gifts, spoken of in Ephesians 4.11. He gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and some teachers. Why were these five full ministry gifts given? They were given for the perfecting of the saints for the, so that the saints can go and do for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, so that we all can come into unity on, on the, to the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect or mature man. So the reason these fivefold ministry gifts were given is for you and I, the church, to be perfected, to be equipped, to be everything God has called us to be, for us to walk in love, to walk in unity. So these fivefold ministry gifts, listen, the anointing here is very strong. These fivefold ministry gifts were given to you, given to the church from the heart of God. We have an example in Jeremiah 1.5. The Bible says, concerning specifically Jeremiah, before I ever formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you. And in Jeremiah's case, he ordained him to be a prophet to the nations. And, you know, Jeremiah is known as the weeping prophet. He had many trials, many tribulations. God said to Jeremiah, listen, you're, I don't want you to be afraid of their faces. You will go wherever I send you, and whatever I command you to speak, you will speak. But God had to always coach him and tell him, don't be afraid of their faces. And there's many men and women in the word of God, prophets especially, priests and kings, that were anointed by the Spirit of God. But under the New Testament, we have apostles. Apostles are generally a set one. They, they're, they're uh, leaders of leaders. We have apostles. We have prophets. Prophets are seers, and or the, there's different kinds of prophets. They hear the word of the Lord and they speak that word. And let me tell you, being a prophet isn't always easy. You know, we live in a day, we live in an hour where a lot of people want to be apostles and prophets. Let me tell you, the greater the anointing, the greater the warfare. I'm telling you that God is raising these men and women up 
and he does not like the fact that they're rising. And I see in my spirit, even as I preach this word, I see men and women rising, leaders rising. I see men and women who are leaders rising, coming up out of the ashes and, and being an exceeding great and mighty army that God has called them to be. This is the dawn of a new day. And God is anointing his ministry leaders with a fresh, tangible anointing. Now, don't think for one minute that the devil doesn't see what is rising in the land. And don't think for one minute that he isn't afraid of these ministry gifts rising up and being everything that God has foreordained and marked them to be and marked them to do. So he gave some apostles. He gave some prophets. He gave some evangelists. You're going to see more and more and more in the, as we enter into this new phase of ministry, this new phase of the church age. You're going to see more and more and more uh, of an emphasis on the ministry of the evangelist because it's the evangelist that helps to put that sickle out and bring and usher in the harvest. And evangelists, generally speaking, evangelists, the signs that accompany the evangelist are generally gifts of healings and working of miracles. Okay, so that's just a little brief uh, thing about the evangelist. He gave he gave pastors and teachers. Thank God for pastors. Thank God for the men and women of God who feed the flock of God whereby they've been made the oversight thereof. Thank God for these men and women who are who have a heart, the heart of the Father, who shepherd the flock of God and are there and they don't have an unlisted phone number and they're always there with your family and they're there at your funerals and they're there at your baby's dedication. Thank God for the ministry of the pastor. I love pastors. They're, in my opinion, some of the most precious of the ministry gifts that we have in the earth today. We need pastors. We need these men and these women of God. And then we have teachers. We have teachers because you have the prophetic that will bring in one side of the things of God. And then you have the teachers that come in and I don't want to say bring balance, but they bring clarity to what the prophets are speaking. So we need all of the fivefold ministry gifts in order to function and be a healthy church and a healthy body. Now, the, like I said, the enemy does not want these ministry gifts to be unwrapped. Because you see, when you have a fivefold ministry call in your life, it is very important that these gifts and what is on the inside of them be fully unwrapped because they are containers of the power of God, containers of a measure of the grace of God that is needed in the church for this day and in this hour. The Bible says we have this treasure in earthen vessels. So there's a treasure that's on the inside of these ministry gifts. And each ministry gift is unique. And, and the beauty of the Lord is, is that when a person has a fivefold ministry call on their life, he puts the personality to go with the ministry gift that's in, in on the inside of them. Um, these ministry gifts, they are what they are by the grace of God. It is the grace of God, the Apostle Paul said, that works in me mightily. And it's the grace of God that rises up out of these ministry gifts and flows forth up out of them for them to be able to be effective in, in obeying God and building the kingdom of God. So I just want you to understand that I, I stand in an office 
that I didn't call myself. If I had my way about my life, I would have been the girl sitting in the back of the church, minding my own business. I was raised with five boys in an Italian house, and I was very quiet, quiet, um, insecure-ish. I'm not anymore, thank God, because you can't be insecure and be in the ministry, especially when God tells you to say something, and you know it's not going to be something pretty that needs to be said. It's a word of correction or whatever. But I was raised with five brothers, and the beauty of my life has been that that God had to make me into what I am. My brothers, it was the beauty of it was that as the first woman in multiple pulpits, especially on the East Coast, I was always very comfortable with, with male leaders. And, and to be honest with you, back in the day, in the early 80s, there were not a lot of women in leadership and not a lot of uh, uh, women that were speakers in a lot of our churches. And now it's very common for women to have a voice and God is uttering his voice through his women and God's raising up the women. But back in the day, that wasn't the case. But the beauty is, since I was raised with five brothers, I was very comfortable with male leaders. I was very comfortable with being around uh, that gender, so to speak. So it was part of my equipping. Very often, we don't realize it, but God is equipping us, and we don't even know we're being equipped. I know some of our children, and many of your children, there is a call on your children's lives. And even as a child, right from the womb, and then as a child, they are being formed. God is making them into ministers that are flames of fire. And oftentimes, he uses circumstances to help form them and mold them, just like he used my upbringing, upbringing to form me into what he had called me to be. But I, I, didn't, I never dreamed I would be uh, standing before people and preaching the gospel. I couldn't even stand before one person preach the gospel uh, just talk in general and i hear god has called me he's anointed me he's put his hand on my life and it's just the most amazing thing for me personally every time i get up to speak and i have so much to say i can never hardly ever get it all out all in one one meeting or whatever so on and so forth and, and so I, I just want you to understand that these ministry leaders they are what they are by the grace of god and God has given them a measure of grace so that we can equip the church to be everything that the church has called them to be. I just wanted to share, show this to you. You know, the Bible says that we have this treasure, earthen vessel. And I have done pottery on and off my whole life. And I made this particular pot. And this particular pot, these are actually prophetic pots. I love my pots. This particular pot is called treasure. And here's an example. We have this treasure, one translation says of that scripture in Corinthians, in, in clay vessels. And so here we see the treasure. Here we see the beauty of the Lord. Here we see the anointing of the Spirit of God in a, in a jar of clay. And that's what we are. We're just vessels. We're just vessels of clay. God has decided he is going to anoint. Beauty of this vessel is the treasure on the inside of this particular pot. I just want you to understand that these pots, just in the natural and in any leader, they go through a forming process. Many of our leaders, and I, I please, I beg of you, I, I beseech you, 
I think we need to have more compassion for our ministry leaders because to whom much is given, much is required. And the Bible says that there shouldn't be a lot of you who are teachers because listen, there's a stricter judgment and there's a weightiness about when you know that you have a call in your life and you know that you're affecting people and you know that you're responsible to God for people. But these leaders, many of the true leaders, they go through a forming process. And just like this pot that I made, it, 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 you know, God puts that, that clay on the wheel, starts spinning it, and God forms that ministry leader into what he wants them to be, into what he's created them to be. And it's not by might. It's not by power. It's by the spirit of the living God. And God begins to work with his leaders and form his leaders and, and, and minister to his leaders. And, 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 and they have to go through a firing process and a cleaning up process. And then they have to be glazed and then they have to be fired again. So these ministry leaders, I think that we need to have a lot more compassion. And, 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 and basically, you've heard me say this, prayer, specifically intercessory prayer, should always be born out of a heart of love and compassion. And I think that if we would begin to see our leaders the way God sees them, we would not be speaking ill of them. We would not be cursing them. We would be blessing them with the words of my, our, our mouths. You know, life and death are in the power of the tongue. And oftentimes we curse our ministry leaders by criticizing them. You know, the Bible says, touch not mine anointed and do my prophets no harm. Why would God say that? Because God knows about the process he's taken his leaders through. He knows how at times we agonize at night and we're afraid and we're, uh, we don't want to do sometimes the things he's called us to do or say the things he's called us to say. And we don't, we feel weak. We feel like we can't, we go through sufferings. I have so many of my friends who are pastors. Like I said, pastors are my, one of my most favorite of the ministry guests. And I can't tell you the times I'm on the phone with them, speaking to them on the phone. And they're talking about the betrayal and the rejection and, and the, from the people that they poured the most into. And these things ought not to be my friends. We should be supporting and praying for our ministry leaders. We should be holding up their arms like Aaron and her and, and, and supporting them because it's not easy um, being in the position that they are in. And, and let me just say this, and you know, I'll say it because I really don't care. You know, to be honest, you know, you go in the ministry, you know, there's not a lot of money in the ministry. People think, oh, they're in the ministry. They want my tithes and offerings. You know, um, do you, let me just tell you something. There is not a lot of money that's to be made when one is in the ministry. And I see so many of my friends in ministry, they sacrifice their time, their energy, they prepare, and they, they sow, and they sow, and they sow emotionally, and you know, they're physically, and, and, and then people don't give. And then they got to believe God and come up, I don't know why I'm saying this, I'm saying it, with some gimmick to get people to uh, provide for the vision that they have. Well, these things ought not to be. You know, the Bible says, don't muzzle the ox that, 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 that treads the corn. So many times we're just selfish. We're selfish in our prayers. We're selfish in our giving. And I think it's time for us to arise. It's time for us to begin to support the leaders and be there for them. Bless them and not curse them. 
okay? So the, 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 the prayer for the, for the leader is, like we said, a supportive ministry. And I want to read to you from Exodus 17. I'm actually going to read you this whole entire section here from verse 8 to 13. And the reason I want to read you the whole entire scripture verse in this is because I want you to notice that the reason why victory was, um, was, was, was seen by Emelech getting defeated, it was because of a team effort. It was a team effort. It says here, now Emelech came and fought with Israel, and Moses said to Joshua, choose us some men and go out and fight with Amalek. Okay? Tomorrow I will stand on the hill with the rod of God in my hand. Moses is the man of God. Moses has the rod of God in, in his hand. Moses has a treasure. He has a treasure. He is called. He is anointed. God had to pull him out and make him into the leader that he was born to be. Okay? So he says, Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses said to him and fought with Amalek. And Moses and Aaron and her went up to the top of the hill. And so it was. When Moses held up his arm or his hand that Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. Moses' hands became heavy. So they took a stone and they put it under him and he sat on it. So Moses sits down on the stone. Aaron and her supported his hands, one on one side, one on the other side. And his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. Okay. So in order for, for this to continue to, for victory to be successful, for success to happen, Moses had to have the rod of God in his hand, and he had to have his hands up, okay? So here we see Aaron and Hur supporting his hands, okay? So Joshua defeated Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. Here we see this is a team effort. We have Moses with the rod of God in his hand. We have Joshua who's out there fighting, and then we have Aaron and Hur who are supporting Moses' arms and holding up their arms so that victory can be sealed. So this is what I'm talking about. In the body of Christ, it is going to take all of us to get the job done. It's not just the preacher getting up there and preaching the word and being instant in season and out of season. It is all of us gathering together and doing our part in supporting the work of God. And leaders that I hang around are leaders who are not building their own ministries. They're building the kingdom of God, okay? So it's very important for us to understand that a prayer for your ministry leader is a supportive ministry. And remember we said it in the beginning, when you support your ministry leader, you are laboring fervently for him or her in prayer, and your works and your labors are going to follow you when you go into heaven, okay? So it's very important to understand this. Now, Mark chapter 14, we see Jesus in verse 32 through 41. We see Jesus, he is in the garden of Gethsemane and he takes with him Peter, James, and John. And he says to Peter, James, and John, listen, my soul is exceedingly troubled. I, 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 for this purpose, I was born. It's time for me. I mean, he didn't verbalize it, but I'm sure he was thinking it. 
it's time for me to go to the cross. For this reason, I was born. I was born for this time. My soul is exceedingly sorrowful unto death. And he says to Peter, James, and John, he said, could you please pray with me? Could you please uh, stand with me? I need you to, to, to watch and pray. And we're not going to read the whole thing, but three times Jesus came to Peter, James, and John, and they were sleeping, okay? And, and by the time the third time came around, Jesus, through the prayer of dedication and consecration, uh, he aligned his soul with, with his destiny and his purpose that he had in his spirit. And he was ready to do the will of God. He was ready to suffer. And he was ready to go to the cross. And he says to Peter, James, and John, he says, you know, basically the spirit is really willing, but the flesh is weak. No worries. I got this. But let me just tell you something. This was the most important time in the ministry of Jesus. He's about to cross over. He's about to enter into the very thing for which he was to born. And that was to be crucified. That was to die on the cross. That was to, to, uh, to redeem mankind from poverty, spiritual death, and, and sickness. And he knew, listen, he knew what he was going to face. He read the scriptures about him, Isaiah 43. And here is the most important time in his ministry, okay? Why are you saying that? I'm saying that because the people closest to him were sleeping. Are you hearing me? They were sleeping, okay? They didn't get it. They didn't understand the plan and the purpose. They're sleeping. Why am I saying this on this Facebook Live tonight? Why I'm saying this to you is because it's very important that many of our five-fold ministry leaders are entering into new phases, new realms of glory, new phases of ministry. And this is not a time for you and I to be sleeping on the job. They need our support. They need our prayer. They need our intercessions. They need us to stand in the gap for them. Don't be sleeping. And let me just say this to you, and I'm hearing this in my spirit. Listen, Luke 18.1, don't grow weary in well-doing. Don't stop praying if you've been praying for your ministry leader and you don't see visible results. Don't grow weary. We think sometimes God is not working and God is not uh, 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 um, speaking to my ministry leader. When you pray, and we're going to talk about this, do not pray your own will, pray the word and pray in the spirit. But when you pray for them, you are praying that they'll stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. You're praying that God will give them a message. You're praying that God would enlighten them in the darkness. You're praying that, that God will work in them. You're praying that the heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord and that God would lead, guide, and direct. But you don't yet see the fruits of your prayer. Do not, do not, do not grow weary in well-doing. Do not stop praying. It is the enemy who wants you to stop praying. It is the enemy who wants to sift our leaders as weak. It is the enemy that wants to take our leaders out. I can see I can see already I'm not going to get through this whole entire teaching, okay? Because I'm just going to go with the flow. Let me just explain something to you just so you understand it. It's coming from me, okay? Let me just explain. The enemy does not want us to fulfill our purpose and fulfill our destiny. Why? Because the fivefold ministry gifts, we are called to preach to the multitudes. That does not mean that we don't have a one-on-one -on -one 
uh, ministry to people on the streets and on the highways and the byways and in the workplace. No, we do. But basically, a five-fold ministry leader is called to preach to the multitudes, okay? And, and to, this is what I heard, to influence the multitudes, okay? So they're more of a target, okay? More of a target for the enemy, okay? So the enemy sees that these five-fold ministry leaders in this season, in this moment that we're in right now, he sees them rising. He sees them breaking out. He sees them cracking out of the shell. He sees what's going on. You and I don't always see in the spirit, but the enemy sees what's happening. And what he wants to do, my friends, is he wants to stop the ministry leaders from advancing and progressing. Because if he can stop the ministry leaders from advancing and, 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 and arising, he can stop the church from being perfected. He can stop the church from growing up into him, into Christ in all things. He can stop the church from being equipped. He can stop the church from, from, from having Christ formed within the body of Christ. So it's very important that you understand that the ministry leaders, that they are a prime target for the enemy. Okay? Now, I'm going to give you an example. I'm going to give you examples from my own life, and then the next time we go on, I have more examples. I can tell you straight up, this is, and this is where it becomes a little bit fun when you start to not be ignorant of Satan's devices. Okay? I, when I first began to prepare for the two teachings that I did on tongues and, and, and uh, praying in the spirit, the very first time that I was getting ready to teach on that particular subject, I was sitting in my chair over here in my family room. And I could tell you as God is my witness, a low level demon. See, there's high level demons and low level demons. I discerned this demon as a low level demon because he wasn't that big. But no matter how big or how small a demon is, those thoughts are fiery darts. They are fiery darts of the wicked. And if a person is ignorant of Satan's devices, they will accept those thoughts as their thoughts. It will engage in their minds and it will become a stronghold in their minds. Okay, So that's why it's important to nip thoughts in the bud. I'm sitting there in my chair and, and a low-level demon. And why do you see it as a low-level? I'm telling you it was a low-level demon. He was an imp about a foot high. And this little imp, you know, came up to my... He came up to my left ear and he said to me, they don't need to hear this teaching. And you know what? It was just as real as you talking to me and me talking to you, just as real. This, the thought said, they don't need to hear this teaching. What was I teaching on? I was teaching on tongues, the importance of tongues, why we need to pray in the Holy Ghost. And this is the, and I knew it was the devil. And I just smiled and I laughed. You know, it's Psalms 2. Why do the heathen rage and the people imagine vain things? He that sits in the heavens laughs. I just started laughing at the devil. I just started laughing. I smiled. I'm just, I knew it was the devil. I said, you know what? Because the devil will always attack you where your gift is. The devil will always attack something that he knows is of God and he doesn't want it to advance. He knew that this message of tongues and the importance of tongues that ended up being two Facebook Live teachings, he knew that this message 
would set people free. You know, the Bible says my people perish because of a lack of knowledge. You'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. So as a leader, it was my job to teach and train and equip the multitude, so to speak, uh, about tongues and the value of tongues. Now we, of all the videos we have, our Facebook Live videos, both of them have over 3,000 views, the most views of any of the other teachings on prayer. Now, doesn't that tell you something? It tells me that God was in it and that the devil didn't like it and the devil knew the power of praying in tongues was something that needed to be taught by me, the ministry leader, to the people. Here's another example. About five or six years ago, the Spirit of God said to me, he said to me, I want you to, uh, I want you to teach on basic principles, and I want you to call it necessary truths in challenging times. And these teachings were basic things, like why tongues, how to be filled with the Spirit, the heart of the Father, um, why is there authority in the name of Jesus? All basic foundational truths. I think we ended up with 24, 25 half-hour videos. And I am telling you, when I entered that assignment, what we did was we set my whole entire living room up, now the living room, thank God for my husband, he was cool with it. It was during the holidays. We set my whole entire living room up. My friend Rob Perna, who's my media production guy, he, he set it up, we had lighting, we had cameras, we had it all going. And my job or my call or what God was telling me to do is, I want you just to teach it line upon line, all these necessary truths. Teach them, line upon them, all these necessary truths, especially for the younger generation, to train and equip them because these things are not being taught, okay? So I, we had it all set up. We were ready to go. It was just me and a camera, my lighting guy, my camera guy, and my makeup person. That was it. There was nobody else in the room. I'm going to tell you, I've done that kind of teaching before where it was me and a camera, and I was very comfortable and very anointed. This time, six years ago, when I entered into this new phase, when I entered into this new thing, when God was speaking to me about getting this word out and doing these teachings, I'm going to tell you straight up, I have never had so much warfare and opposition against me like I did in that time and in that season and in that moment. I would be sitting in my chair, the same chair, and I felt like the devil was sitting on my chest. And I am telling you, it was painful, and it was warfare, and it was tormenting. I would get up, and I'd be getting ready. You know, I don't know if I should tell you this, because people look at me, and they're like, oh, she's a mighty woman in valor. Let me tell you something. Any fivefold leader is what they are by the hand and grace of God. It is the anointing that breaks the yoke. It is the spirit of the living God that is upon us. It is he who has anointed us to preach the gospel. Without him, we can do nothing. And I remember getting ready for the, for the necessary truths and challenging times. So many times, mornings, when, when I would be getting ready, I would just be, I would be nauseous. I would be upset. And, and I just had to do what, what Joyce Meyer, she taught us. And she's told you the same thing. I would just do it afraid. And I just get up and I would just depend on the Holy Spirit. Say, Holy Spirit, I need you to help me do this. This isn't what I want to do. I don't feel like sitting, standing in front of a camera and having chest pains and warfare and thoughts and I can't eat. I don't feel like that. But when God is a call in your life 
and God tells you to do something. It's like a prophet said, woe is me if I don't preach the gospel. And so that's what these fivefold ministry gifts are. They're gifts to the body of Christ to help equip us. And I think six years ago, if I had the team that I have now, where I have my team praying for me, standing in the gap for me, you know, putting up the hedge, I have my errands and my hearse. I think if I had had the team back then that I have now, I would not, I repeat, would not, I repeat, would not have experienced that kind of warfare and that kind of opposition. And I will say this, that kind of warfare and that kind of opposition takes its toll on a person's physical body. So we need intercessors. We need errands and hers to arise, to take their place in the, in, in the spirit and in prayer. We need you. We need you now more than ever to begin to pray. Thank you for listening to the Purpose Project podcast. For more content, video, and teachings like this, visit margieflorent.org.